I want you to name one character who you think might get killed off during the season finale. I guess Garrett? I could see a, a, a path to Jamie getting killed. No, wait, why? Beth Dutton's relationship with her father, John Dutton, was the bedrock relationship of Yellowstone. It was, seemingly, the one you could count on forever. But if this show has taught us anything, it's that absolutely nothing is forever. I'm Addison Hager, and the next to last episode of Season 4 brought several tremors sure to lead to one big tectonic shift during the finale. It's still really hard to believe that Beth and John won't reconcile, but their tension could spell doom for another cast member, one who has been an unwitting villain for more than three seasons. This was an episode that required the viewer to recall significant backstory. A moving scene from season one is essential to understanding what is happening between Beth, Rip, and Walker. Carter and John also shared a bonding moment that stands tall only if you can recall how Rip came to the ranch and everything John did to raise him. Thankfully, we got a guy for that. But before we bring in Billy Dukes, tap follow on the podcast platform you're listening to and offer a review if you're on Apple Podcast. A five-star rating would tell us you appreciate the deep analysis and insight each week and the cast interviews that come in between episodes. There's more to come as 1883 brings the Yellowstone backstory to life through at least mid-February, but this week it's all about the modern-day Duttons and the quiet decisions made during episode 9 that will send shockwaves across the state. Save your predictions for the very end. I've got mine, and I know Billy has his. Let's bring him in right now. Hello, Addison! Hello, Billy! I don't know about you, but I am for sure in that mid-holiday slump right now of that time between Christmas and New Year's where I'm going, what day is it? I'm dragging. I am dragging. I went on vacation, but if you have three small kids, it is not a vacation. It is just a, a, like your second job. It's like <laughs> your the, the thing you do between working that is also working. Uh, <laughs> Billy needs a vacation from his vacation is what he is saying. <laughs> I need a vacation for my kids. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this week's episode of Yellowstone, man, it it came packing a punch, all of that to be said. Very meaty with information. There was so much going on that I thought was really important. And there was the obvious things, like, and we're going to get to these, but the John and Beth fight, the argument that they had. Uh, that was obviously a big thing. The scenes with Casey and the wolf and going up into the mountain with Mo, super important. But then there was some really soft, kind of quiet moments that you have to be a longtime viewer of Yellowstone to really appreciate and maybe even have watched the first three seasons recently because there's one scene that recalls another scene from season one uh, involving Walker that I think was really pivotal in sort of deciphering exactly what happened between him and Beth. I would honestly love to start with the Carter and John scene. Um, and you paint a little bit more of the, the backstory behind it. Because as listeners know, I am more of the novice here. You're the expert. I am all up to date on season four, but not as, um, don't know as much, you know, seasons, the previous seasons. Well, there was a, this was a really good Carter episode, wasn't it? I mean, we saw a lot more of his oh. personality. 
Yeah, well, him much more coming in to his own. And yeah, I feel like once he had that dinner with Beth, John, and Rip, where he was all, you know, he looked like he had showered from there on out. I feel like we've just seen a completely more grown up version of him. There was the great poker scene where they're playing Texas Hold'em and he kind of runs the table and makes Riff really proud and Riff smiles and laughs. And I, I got to give credit to Outsider.com who used a headline of some sort like, for the first time ever, Yellowstone viewers see Rip laugh. And that, that might, yes! That might be true. <laughs> yes, I literally, I had, I la- I also laughed. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I also went, aww. <laughs> so, so many emotions in that that moment but i say let's specifically with carter start talking Mm -hmm. about the john and carter scene where they go we're pretty much you know carter saddles up the horse for john and then john kind of takes a moment of like okay you're gonna come out with me which i will say before we even get to when they were on the hillside i love it where you know Carter smack talking John essentially. And so John says, you know, oh, two can play at this game essentially and makes Carter, you know, slaps a horse and has Carter running off. Well, as much as this was a scene between Carter and John, it was also a look at what the John Rip relationship was like some 25 or 30 years ago because Rip came to the ranch in much the same way. He was sort of this cast off, didn't have parents. And nobody was going to take him in. But John very much brought him in, taught him how to ride, taught him how to be a cowboy. And then, of course, we see who Rip is today. And John finally seems to start embracing Carter in in sort of the same way. Now that Rip has, certainly Lloyd embraced him in that kind of way. And and Beth seems to be coming around as well. So they have this moment where he teaches Carter how to ride and gives him a few lessons. And they end up on top of this valley or on top of this hill overlooking what they call the Buffalo Valley. And John tells a story that really kind of draws a parallel or draws a thread to the 1883 series about how Mm -hmm. his great-grandfather kept the government out of this valley. They knocked on his door looking for buffalo, and he said he didn't know where the buffalo were when he knew dang well they were all in this valley, hence the name Buffalo Valley. The government, he says, they wanted to kill the buffalo because that was a really important animal for Native Americans. How true that is, I researched it and couldn't find too many nuggets of truth to that story obviously the duttons are fictional so the duttons didn't name the the buffalo valley but even a buffalo valley in that area of montana seems to be pretty fictional more so what i found was something called buffalo jumps which was a method of hunting buffalo used by the natives and then uh, european settlers as well where they would sort of run herds of buffalo off a cliff and that's how they would hunt them really kind of an awful <laughs> image to to think of there does does that story parallel to remember the opening of season four episode one of yellowstone where they do show that little snippet of 1883 yeah well it's the same characters he's referring to james dutton who we now know is being played by tim mcgraw and again it shows some very early respect between the dutton family and the natives who own that land Mm -hmm. Uh, not only do they do that in episode one of season four when he offers the natives um, to let them bury their ancestor, um, we've seen that more or less throughout four seasons of Yellowstone as well. I mean, they've kind of been at odds with the natives, but it's been a, a, a lot of respect. Uh, Rainwater and John Dutton are, mm, they're not allies, but they get along well enough and sometimes team up when right. they need to. And, and, and they certainly don't try to trample on the native rights. 
I thought it was interesting when Carter, after John gets done telling that story and he says, well, that's not fair. And John says, and I wrote the quote down, it says, fair means one side got what they wanted that the other side can't complain about. He's like, nothing's fair. And then walks off. Isn't that a theme of this whole series? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing's fair. Life is hard. Rub some dirt on it and move on. This issue of fairness. I mean, kids, my kids say that all the time. Like, oh, that's not fair. And I always respond with, who told you life was fair? (laughs) Who promised that? You know, that no one ever said life was fair. (laughs) All of us reverting to being little kids. That's what the Dutton Dutton family is all about. (laughs) I find myself fathering a little bit more like John Dutton than maybe I should at this point in their young lives. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and speaking of fathering, oh my gosh, the scene with Beth and John, this episode, I have so many emotions and I don't know if you want to kind of start by setting up the original, um, the scene that led to his very heavy, gut-wrenching quote. Well, there are two scenes, really, that were pivotal between them. The first one was early on. It found Beth really angry with not only her father, but also Rip for what happened at the mm-hmm. diner, the shootout in the diner, which we have a little bit more information on now that we'll get to in a little bit later about who was responsible for that shooting uh, that ties pretty closely into the larger question of who was responsible for the season three attacks. But Beth's really mad that John went guns blazing into that diner. And her point, I think, is really valid. He asks his family to protect him and to protect his land. But then he goes out and does dumb, reckless things like trying to play a hero at a diner with Rip. Uh Uh, She threw a coffee cup at her dad, which was... I didn't. I didn't see that coming. That was <laughs> can't can't say that I've ever thrown any device at my parents like that. I mean, she hurled the thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Can you get me a cup of coffee?" She's like, "Sure thing." Pops and dang, there hit him with a porcelain <laughs> coffee cup. <laughs> Go long, boom. <laughs> I thought had it ended there. I mean, Beth was in the right. I mean, John acts selfishly in his responses that like I I just do what my heart tells me to do. And I don't think that's good enough when you're the father of three or four kids and you have grandkids in this legacy. Um, So they have that moment and it doesn't get resolved, really. And then John finds out that it was Beth who put Summer, the protester, up to getting arrested and punching the the SWAT team that came in to help break up the protesters a couple of episodes ago. Summer gets arrested, and now we find out she's facing life in prison— which seems like way more sentence than anyone deserves. Yeah. John finds yeah. out it was Beth's plan, and he tells her, hey, listen, we don't kill sheep. We kill wolves. Summer is a sheep. Mm-hmm. It matters that she is is sort of going down in the crossfires here. I really loved this scene of Beth because I kind of felt like she is – a very hard-headed personality and she is almost a character that needs to be broken in order to kind of pivot her and when John tells her you know after he finds out that you know what Summer did was because of Beth yada 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 and he says you know that he's disappointed in her Oof. and clearly she had yeah i mean if my dad told me that, I don't think I would be well. I mean, that talking about just soul crushing of, you know, Has you he never want to disappoint. 
Addison, no, I'm disappointed I, in you. <laughs> well, there were a few. I don't think he's ever said disappointed. He's for sure said, you know, when I was younger and I'd misbehave, he was like, I love you, but I don't like your choices that you're making. Life is mm-hmm. about choices, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to go sit in my room. Um, he's never said he's disappointed in me. I feel like, you know, I don't like your choices. And the word disappointed, um, you know, is, is something that, oh, just it hits you differently. But not only did, man, Beth in the way that she acted in this of nothing really you know she didn't move but it was all in her eyes and i think that they did such a good job of capturing that if you could just tell us her eyes welled up with tears of oh man something internally has just been broken um but i feel like this was such a great moment for this character because like i said she's a strong-willed personality that needs something catastrophic to kind of break her and this was the first time that i was like man we are seeing layers of the onion being peeled back from Beth and just, I mean, and I won't give too much away before we talk about it, but just the emotion that came and she was able to just let a lot out of just wailing, essentially. Yeah. Um, this was, in my opinion, an award-winning episode for actress Kelly Riley. Absolutely. Really, really good. Because she stands up. Mm-hmm. She's prepared to go into that kitchen. Uh, the scene is John tells them to to leave the little small room dining table they've set up, come into the big kitchen because he, he knows they're going to have an argument. And Kath, mm-hmm. Beth stands up and she's blustering and she's ready to go fight. And even when she enters the kitchen, uh, she won't sit down because she says she fights standing up. And then it all turns on John's big speech about morality. He drops the D word and she says it all in her eyes. And mm-hmm. that was just tremendous, really tremendous acting. Uh, on her part, and of course, we see that play out even further in the barn a, a few moments later with Walker. Well, and yeah, I say I say we jump into that next. Well, hold on one sec. I want to point out one other thing that happened during that scene that I thought I hated as a pure viewer, but I loved as someone who is analyzing and I guess you could say criticizing criticizing in a non pejorative way. I mean, criticizing in that we're bringing a critical critical analysis. To this show, and that is Rip's role in that dinner scene. Right, Rip, he doesn't have a well-rounded experience, and he doesn't always get it right. We've talked in previous episodes about how poorly he managed the bunkhouse situation, and you know that's kind of forgivable based on how he was raised. He didn't go to any sort of management school. He he's not a reader on management techniques, and he makes right. a similar mistake when he tells Beth, "You're going to have to go fight your father alone." He needed to be in there. Like, as, like, her better half, she asked him to be alongside of him. I don't think you can abscond like that. Like, he needed to be up there and and stand up and at least quietly support his wife in that moment. Right. Well, I will say, so I completely agree with you. And if I was personally in that situation, I'd want my man with me in the room supporting me. However, to kind of be devil's advocate here, I don't know if Beth, like, if she had someone backing her up would have had the scene of being broken like she was. We could argue that of like, this could have never happened if she had had, you know, power behind her. Maybe not. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it was needed for the scene probably. He might have been (laughs) able to massage the situation though so that John doesn't ask Beth to move out, which is ultimately what happens. And let's be honest, 
no way in hell that's happening. Does anybody believe no. that Beth's actually going to move off the ranch and this is going to be a... I mean, they'll be they'll be besties by the end of next episode. I am not worried about that. <laughs> the guy who's going to take the fall for all this is sitting in the bunkhouse playing guitar. And that is Walker. And that's who Beth runs to after uh-huh. she's all emotional. She needs a sad song. And she taps on Walker. And that, I think, is going to spell Walker's doom. You're listening to Dutton Rules, and in just a few minutes, predictions for how season four will end, plus why the new sheriff means new problems for the Yellowstone Ranch. Tap follow wherever you're listening and share a review and rating if possible. Plus, look for interviews with actors that play Rip, Beth, and Casey in the archives of this podcast. And I, I want to touch real quick of the reason why she wants a sad song is because she can't, and she kind of, she tells Walker this, essentially she can't feel emotion, she needs a re, you know, she can't cry so she kind of needs a sad song to get that out of her which i i mean i don't know if you've ever felt this way but sometimes i can't process emotion quick enough and then you know you watch a sad movie or whatever and all of a sudden the tears start coming you're like wow this has nothing to do with the movie it just helps evoke the emotion that you were just bottling up inside well i think anybody who's ever gone through a breakup can appreciate that because you you Mm -hmm. turn to sad breakup movies for some dumb reason but that's why Mm -hmm. i I, I think Uh, the song walker plays by the way is a, a Ryan Bingham song. Um, he talked about this. Ryan Bingham talked about this in some of the Behind the Story videos that the Paramount Network has been releasing. Uh, Taylor had loved this song called Hallelujah for several years, and he finally found a spot to put it into the show. Um, so that's an older Ryan Bingham song. Um, and he's had a number of those opportunities. I think he had a song called The Poet uh, that was the song that he played for Lloyd several episodes ago. Just these really powerful moments where his music is featured. And I would love for you... To set up the scene of why, because I have a different take on this that I shared before we started taping and I'll share now, but um, why why you're saying Walker's in trouble? Well, I'll share yours first. As someone who okay. is just kind of picking up the show in season four, what did you see between that scene when Walker's singing to Beth and then Rip sees it and he closes the door and the scenes, the show episode fades out? Right. So, yeah, I have no backstory of any seasons prior. So I don't know any, you know, love history or whatever. Seen it totally fresh how I took the scene as Rip comes out, stands kind of in the doorway, looking across at the barn, sees Walker and Beth. And you can tell, you know, there's a change in his face. I took that more as, and he, and he shuts the door. I took that more as he is disappointed and disheartened that Beth, in a moment of grief and sadness, didn't run to him, instead ran to Walker. You know, he's supposed to be her husband. They're planning on getting married. And in this major point of pivoting of um, really hard emotion that we've never seen Beth in, she doesn't run to the man that's supposed to be her husband. She runs to Walker. So add to that the backstory of Walker. And this goes back to season one, I think it was episode seven or eight, when Walker first comes on to the Yellowstone Ranch. He finds Beth, who at the time was going through an emotional situation, and she was trying to solve it by learning how to ride a horse. Ever since her mom died, because uh, her mom died, Beth knows how to ride a horse, but she's had a hard time getting back up on the horse after her mom died, because her mom died in the horse accident that Beth helped cause. Um, so she's trying to get back up on the horse, and the horse is really misbehaving and won't behave for her, and she's really having a hard time. So Walker mm-hmm. comes to her, and you can find this clip on YouTube. Uh, it's a really tender clip where Walker shows her how horses can feel 
things as light as a fly landing on their skin. So if Beth is really tense and really has her legs wrapped tight around the horse, they're going to feel like she's tense, she's scared, uh, and he shows some examples in kind of an intimate way. He puts her hands on her waist, he puts her hands kind of on her midsection, and then even up, I wouldn't say on the chest, but kind of in the, the chest area. Uh, a couple of episodes later, there's a, I think this is the beginning of season two, there's sort of a hot Beth and Walker kissing scene. Whether or not that leads to something in the bedroom is never really made clear. But Rip finds out about it and at the time says, I don't care who you sleep with, I just care about you, as if mm-hmm. he doesn't mind. But I think that planted the seed for all of Rip's hatred towards Walker over the next two or three seasons. So now he's seeing, once again, Walker and Rip having this emotion, or Walker and Beth having this emotional moment. He closes that door. You can't help but wonder if Walker's going to get the, the blunt end of the stick somehow in in episode 10 of season four. Yeah, yes. But also, that was several seasons ago. So surely water under the bridge? I mean, <laughs> that is probably asking a lot for this crew, but... So it was several seasons ago for us. It was like three years ago in viewing age. And and that's also a big ask for Taylor Sheridan to ask people to recall that from like three and a half years ago. Um, in Yellowstone timeline, I don't know how long ago it was. I think the events that ended season two with Tate getting rescued, leading up to where we are now, is just one year Yellowstone time. And I okay. put that together based on sort of the seasons changing and the timeline they've sort of allowed us to have. So, you know, it might have only been 18 months ago in Yellowstone time. That's not too stale in, in a guy's memory. Yeah, that might be a little bit more fresh. Yeah, and they're to not be, married yet. To be continued. By the way, they've had a hell of a year. Like, we think COVID was tough. Like, add in everything else that they've gone on during the last two and a half seasons of Yellowstone. Tough well, year. my... Th- my theory is I think we're going to not see a wedding happen anytime soon. I think that whatever is happening between Walker, Beth, Rip, I think that's going to probably carry us into the next season of will they actually get married? I think we're going to be left on a hook there. Let's play a game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hit me, Billy. Will we or won't we see the following before the end of season four? Okay. A Beth and Rip wedding. I say no. I agree. I say no. Uh, Garrett Randall getting killed. Uh, I'd say yes. I think we've got to put some of these to bed. I think. I think the Garrett. Well, actually, okay. Mm, I had another theory. Uh, I say, yeah. What about you? Uh, I say no on that one but really hesitant on it because that leads to the next one. Will we finally find John Dutton reconciling who the real attacker was and seeking his revenge? I I say yes to that one. They've got, poor guy has his head in the sand. I mean, he keeps thinking it's Riggins. And even on this episode, once again, he goes, oh, Riggins, honey, I know, you know, when he was talking to Beth. And I'm like, no, you know, wanting to wave, go, wake up. No. (laughs) I think that that situation's got to resolve itself for the sake of the season. Like, what have we spent 10 weeks on if not to resolve that central plot point? We can't go into another season 
And I feel like, and I know I've been a Garrett Randall stan at times. There's, <laughs> you really have. <laughs> the door is still open on whether or not he did it because who who funded, how did he fund these militia attacks? I still can't answer that. I have a theory that maybe Garrett said he tried to kill John and maybe he did in some other way, but maybe he uh-huh. wasn't responsible for those mass attacks somehow. Maybe he took credit because he knew that was the way to properly manipulate his son, Jamie. Interesting theory. I, I mean, that is... <laughs> I, I, let, I let it marinate for one mm-hmm. second in my brain. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I will say your point of how did he fund it is very, very... Yes, is credible. I can get on board with. I think you're giving, but I think you're giving Garrett a little too much credit. But granted, then as fans have po- or listeners have pointed out, I'm giving Jamie probably too much credit. So teach their own. I'm going to leave that one. What's the next one? Well, I think we know the answer to this one a little bit, but will Jimmy return to the Yellowstone Ranch? <sighs> yes. I'm so yeah. sad about that. I think he's going to as well. And I don't know. Do you want to go there next? Yes, I would. This was my favorite episode. Jimmy is officially my favorite. Yeah. Even his acting in this one. I, yeah. uh, well, two things. This is an episode that I feel like Jimmy really got, just came into his own. We kind of see what he was capable of. And even in this episode, Mia, or not Mia, sorry, Emily asks Jimmy, you know, what is different? between our relationship versus your relationship with Mia. And he says, you know, Mia saw my potential mm-hmm. and that's what she was. She was dating his potential, which I, man, I thought was a great line in general. Um, and that Emily sees him and is dating him for him. All that to be said, I feel like this is an episode that we saw Jimmy as who he is and not who he could be. We, you know, we see like him in full and even the setting up the scene of him and Travis of Travis, where he originally dropped him off at the four sixes ranch, kind of like, Oh, you little peasant, you essentially, and is now treating him as someone who's on his same level, which I even loved seeing. And of course, nothing good can last long. And just as I'm excited for Jimmy, they pull the rug out from under me and say, ha ha, he's going back. And it just feels like Jimmy is just at his prime. And now we're ripping him away from that. Well, I ultimately feel he's going to end up at the four sixes because I think I think oh, those totally. rumors that he, he's tied to the show are true. And, yes. But there's going to be some sh- sort of choice he has to make with Mia. He either has to break up with her or um, or choose her. And you're right. She was, she was grooming him in some sort of weird ways. And whereas mm-hmm. Emily is just sort of embracing him for who he is, she's just a much more likable um, person to cheer for throughout the series. But that scene, my wife, I'm sitting next to my wife, and she <laughs> says, "If you ask me to wait for you, I will." And no sooner does she finish that sentence, Jimmy shouts, "Wait for me!" And there's a pause, and she says, okay, 
and the embrace. It was like my, I was sitting next to a sprinkler system. My wife just starts gushing <laughs> tears, like out of nowhere. She's, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, God, pull yourself together, woman. <laughs> they got the female viewers on that line. They got me. A, I was like, yes. It was a, it was a great moment. Acted well, scripted well. I mean, everything just sort of came together there. And uh, gosh, that scene doesn't work out. Well, and there's kind of a question there that I have for you. If you had to say, does Jimmy choose Mia or does he choose Emily? I mean, I I say if he doesn't choose Emily, I'm going to chunk. I'm chunking my TV. That's a little dramatic. But (laughs) what do you think? That's an expensive (laughs) reaction. (laughs) Forget the cup like Beth. That was just the first thing. The TV's gone. I quit Yellowstone. Um who do you think, emotion Emily. aside, you, Emily. you think Emily? Yeah, Emily. I think Emily. Okay. Uh, no doubt about it for me. I, I think he is a strong man now. He'll see Mia, and there will be a moment where he's really tested mm-hmm. and you're like, eh. But I think ultimately he's going to do the noble thing and remember his heart is in Texas. Amen. This is Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast. I'm Addison Hager, and coming up, the fan Q&A portion of the show, including a question that brings up one of the biggest loose ends of the show involving Jamie and his real father, Garrett Randall. Email staff at tasteofcountry.com to be a part of the conversation. Can we talk about the new sheriff in town? Yes, that this one is one that, oof, I don't yeah. know if it's going to work in John's favor. This is another one of those subtle, quiet things that happened during this episode that I think is really, really important, is the new sheriff, his name is Bill Ramsey, not a Dutton stan. He he makes it clear that they're going to start enforcing the rules. Um, He speaks ill of John Dutton's best friend, Donnie Haskell, and uh, this isn't the guy that John's... This isn't an ally for the Duttons. Mm -mm. Uh, He also lets it go that they're still investigating that shooting at the diner, which... Mm, makes me a little bit nervous for a number of reasons, but also informs us that the militia was responsible for that shooting at the cafe, not just some meth heads like we suspected. Yeah, that's what we originally had said, that this is just a one-off. It's not tied to anything, which obviously we were wrong. And I will say I was also wrong. I thought that... You know, this whole scene of John coming in was going to end up hurting him because I running for governor because I thought, you know, they might see that as reckless. Uh, the fact that he didn't wait on police. You know, there was just a lot of different things that I thought could potentially hurt him. But I was wrong. And you were right. You thought that it would help him, which that is the scene that we see as Jamie Garrett and um, I'm going to try Christine. Christina. Name, yep. right? mm-hmm. Christina are watching on television and pretty much the news is saying that he's a hero which obviously throws jamie for a loop because he's also going to run for governor against his dad um but yeah that i i really thought it was gonna hurt him which granted yellowstone never you know makes me feel a certain way for very long so watch the next episode and that could completely turn but yeah Yeah. it's helping him as of right now the one person that may not help is Rip. I think anytime Rip is put into the crosshairs of law enforcement, that's a bad thing for him because he is sort of this person with an unknown identity. So if he has to give a statement or do something in the legal sense, that could bring up an inquiry into who this guy is in his past. Mm-hmm. And I saw this 
this comment on YouTube. And this is just a comment on YouTube for take it for what it's worth. But sometimes these comments on YouTube seem to come out of nowhere and they end up having like a little bit of a a leaky sort of factor to it. But someone said the season ends with Rip going to jail. There's a lot of paths that could lead to Rip going to jail. One of them being his involvement in the shooting. He becomes the hero. They start looking into who's making these statements. And they find out, oh, this is the kid that killed his father some 30 years ago. And we got Rip in an orange jumpsuit. You know what I kind of just realized as you were saying that? Now, this might be a really far off theory. But as we know, Yellowstone always kind of leaves little breadcrumbs in a way. If Rip goes to jail, follow me here. Mm -hmm. Do we think Walker could then slide in and try to win over Beth? I'm just saying. You're really underestimating (laughs) Beth's resolve in matters. She is not just, she is not that woman we talked about a couple of episodes ago who's just dropping her hanky and waiting on a male suitor. Like, she is loyal to to Rip. Like, she's not going to be swept off her feet by Walker. Uh, I I just had to throw that thought out there. I also don't agree that it's, I don't think my statement holds any weight whatsoever, but I did have that thought and we're here to share our thoughts and theories. And that was a random one. I think Walker's going to shoot his shot. I'm like, well, here we go. Put a little dabby well, doo on his neck, has- a little cologne. <laughs> here I go. As we know, my Walker, time. Has done, Walker has done nothing but shoot his shot. So that in and of itself would not surprise me. Yes, Beth, the swaying and leaving Rip. Okay, yeah, that... I would have to say, you know, a lot would have to change there. But I will say that was one of my theories, not not the Beth Walker thing, but the Rip not having an ID and that being an issue. That was my thought on yeah. when we talked about the shooting last uh, podcast episode. I think that is plausible. I'm I'm here for the potential of him going to jail because of that. What, you got a scorecard over there? You got like all the theories down and right and wrong. Are you going to tally these up at the end of end of the season? Like Billy was right four times and wrong six times. And Addison was right three times. If you do hey, math. it's a competition, then, Billy. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, but, but Before we talk about the wolf scene involving Casey, which was mm-hmm. another one of those quiet, important things that I think is going to be really critical to the end of season four. I want you to name one character who you think might get killed off during the season finale. I originally would say Lloyd, but Lloyd's kind of gone. We haven't seen much of him. Right. Um, so that would have been my original. I, mm, I guess Garrett, and I say that very hesitantly, only because I don't know who else to kill off. I don't know that Walker's going to get killed. No, I feel like he'll end up getting sent off. Like, I don't know that he'll end up getting killed. Um, I agree. I could see a a, a path to Jamie getting killed. No. No. Wait, why? Mm, There's a lot of people that don't like him. Beth hates him. John might come and realize that uh, he knows more than he does about who ends up attacking him. And then Casey's he's off asking for this vision. And I feel the vision that he's going to come back with is going to have something to do with these attacks or at least his role moving forward and how he can right the family's wrongs. Then what does that do with Garrett? You know, well, I think he, he would go he would go down as well. Somehow either get killed oh, or so, end up so back in jail. We have a double. We have a double that, hitter. 
That'd be the resolution. I mean, it's got to resolve somehow. I mean, it, Garrett's not here for the long haul. I think he was a one-season character. Like, somehow his character is uh, either going to die or, or be put back in jail somehow, some way, I think. Uh, he's the villain. Yes. I'm not, I'm not completely sold on that thought. But I really am interested to hear our viewers, our listeners' thoughts of who they think is going to be killed off and why. So let yeah. us know. Staff at tasteofcountry.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey seems to be in a lot of peril right now because he's spending four days without food and water, which is, <laughs> I thought that would kill you, but Monica's yeah, well, cool I with did it. Too. <laughs> that was, I mean, that's why I'm smiling over here because that kind of made me chuckle of, as you know, Mo is saying you're going to go three days and three nights, you know, or four, four. days, you know, without four days and four, four days. nights. Four, sorry, four days and four nights without water. I'm going, no, no, Casey can't. No, you need at least water. And here comes Monica going, ah, he'll be fine. You know, just mm-hmm. no big deal. I'm going, excuse me. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she says, listen we- to Mo and do everything he says. But then Mo leaves. So Mo's not there with him that whole time, ushering no. him through it like a guide. He's just like, yes. All right. See you on the flip flop. Listen. Send them. They send him up there, and they literally take his horse and everything with them back down the mountain. And we end this episode with a little teaser for the next episode, where it looks like he's going to encounter a wolf. The ceremony that Casey's doing right now, um, according to Mo brings plenty. Mo, Mo brings plenty is the actor's name. It's also his character's name. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he has done this ceremony multiple times. So his role on the show, and I I got this, I gathered this from listening to the official Yellowstone podcast uh, in a conversation with uh, 4EJ Smith. Mo is not only an actor, he's he's bringing a lot of legitimacy to those Native American scenes. And he says the scene they set up is spot on with the scene that he's not only, that he's been a part of and experienced in his real life. I thought that level of authenticity cool. was really interesting because they try to do that, of yeah. course, with the rodeo scenes, but also probably more than anything with these scenes involving the indigenous tribes because that's um, that, that's more important, I think, than the yeah. rodeo scenes to get those details right. Um, so, yeah, so it's absolutely. it's spot on. I don't know how many yeah. white guys have gone up there and done it. That might be a first, but um, it's, it's honest to what uh, a young man might do in a tribe like that. Alrighty, Billy, your favorite part of our podcast. Well, I don't know if it's your favorite part. I kind of just coined that for you. So if it's not, it is now. Uh, the fan questions and theories and emails. Well, to stop first- you, it is my favorite part. Oh. I love interacting in the conversation and <laughs> the in the YouTube comments and the responding to these emails. I do really enjoy it, but uh, I don't want people to think otherwise. So go ahead, hit me. <laughs> okay, Angela emails... She says, I'm dying to see how Beth will react finding out Jamie has a kid since he's the reason she can't have any. Which, before I give you the floor here, Billy, as someone who, speaking, I'm speaking of myself, of who, you know, just jumping in at season four, I actually don't know what she's talking about. So if you could enlighten me and others who are listening and don't know what's happening, why is she the reason or why is he the reason she can't have any kids? Well, this is the crux of Beth's hatred for Jamie. Um, it was a flashback scene where a young Beth um, gets pregnant. I think she's 14 or 15 years old. Um, 
Rip is the father of the child, although he doesn't know that and still to this day doesn't know that he actually fathered a child with Beth. Beth is huh. terrified, so she asks Jamie to take her to get an abortion. Uh, this is a, a pretty controversial scene. Jamie is 18 years old or so at the time and, and agrees to drive her. And they end up going on the reservation to an abortion clinic. And, and Jamie walks in first to sort of set it up and uh, make it a little bit easier for his sister and is told that the only way for an abortion to happen on the reservation is to get a full hysterectomy. Wow. Uh, Jamie is doesn't want to get an abortion off the reservation because he knows that it'll bring some embarrassment to the family once it gets out. So he agrees to those terms, and then we're led to believe that he doesn't tell Beth that. So Beth gets the abortion, gets a full hysterectomy, and loses the ability to have children at any point in her life. Um, so that's what that wow. emailer is referring to, and that is the crux. That is the nexus. Knowing that, I think, helps a lot of people understand why Beth hates Jamie so dang much, because she's really mean and really awful yeah. to him. And until you know yeah. that, you don't really know why. But after you know that, you kind of see, oh, this kind of – it's a really complex scene and dynamic because mm-hmm. you almost in some ways can appreciate the position that Jamie was in where he, he was he was caught between a rock and a hard place mm-hmm. and, and made the wrong choice. But the degree to which he's forgivable for that, I don't know. I guess you'd have to live through it to, to sort of pass judgment. Well, and it will be interesting to Angela's point. I I don't know if they, you know, surely they will introduce the child to the rest, to the Dutton family, but I don't think we're going to see that this season. I would agree. It's surprising that the Duttons haven't caught wind of this baby already. Uh, everything that Jamie's going got going on, like where he lives, his dad's living with him, this woman's been hanging out, there's a child, like they seem pretty oblivious to all of that, which is mm-hmm. um, kind of strange. Um, but at some point, the kid has to kind of be introduced to the rest of the family and how Beth reacts. Yeah, that is a big question mark because Beth, at one point in a previous season, tells Jamie she can't wait till he, he falls in love because she is going to kill that person he's in love with. And she's not being figurative here. She is going to literally kill that person. Um, oh, man. Yeah, she's a, she's a treat at at times. <laughs> <laughs> that was very that was quite the way to say that, Billy. Okay, mm-hmm. our next email is from Beverly, saying still trying to figure out how Jamie's father has the funding for a full blown attack. Which is this question or this statement is actually something that we touched on a little bit earlier. It's the biggest unknown when it comes to Garrett being responsible for these attacks on the Duttons to end season three. Like, how do they pay for all this? Because the militia mm-hmm. is only doing it if they're getting paid handsomely. That's what the militia does. He's been in mm-hmm. jail for 30-plus years. We're not led to believe that he had a significant amount of money before that. How did he get the money to pay for this? Um, and if he's not funding it, who is funding it? And how is that person involved in all this? That's a big loose end. Yellowstone's got a lot of loose ends. And we're going to, at some point, make a... A video or maybe even do a podcast episode about all these loose ends that are unresolved. Uh, you know, the kid with the lug nuts that <laughs> that people want to know about. Uh, I always get a lot of comments about that. That was um, to close season three. Uh, I don't know about that. I'd say this is second to that. Like, how is Garrett paying for these militia attacks? Yeah. Well, and even 
let's talk about, and this this is a small little loose end, but they brought Avery in, and and then they took her out. It was almost like she was going to be a pivotal, you know, issue between Casey, Monica, really just Monica's insecurities and jealousy, and this other girl, Avery, but she disappeared. <laughs> she was there, and then she wasn't, so... That's it was one. like she was sort of brought in to just sort of move along Casey's transformation journey in some right. way. It was a character character building character for him. Uh, not really any action. Like, I don't think she's going to come back. Like, if they stuffed an Avery scene into the season finale, I'd be kind of upset because there's a lot more questions yeah. I want answered. She's on the bottom of the list. More Avery. Good character. Yeah. I liked her. It was interesting. But, you know. Let's get some revenge on Garrett. Right. Um, (laughs) Let's take Garrett down. Well, in addition to our emails that we had, you have two fact checks for us. Yeah, and I want to thank people who have weighed in on this. Uh, Another, and and this goes back to our episode on 1883, another, a different Angela, points out that Claire was not Margaret Dutton's sister because she has the same last name. Her last name is Dutton. I think, though, oh. she was referred to as James Dutton's sister-in-law, which means that if you're if you got the family tree here, and I know those are out mm-hmm. there, Claire must have been James's brother's wife. Yes, that's how she would be a Dutton. Um, so that that's I guess is kind of important. Um, another big error on our end is that we kept referring to uh, Isabel May's character Elsa's. Suter as Wade. Uh huh. That is not Wade. That is Ennis or Enos. Wade is the oh. other guy. His oh, buddy. We were really off there. I mean, there was so much going on, and it's a new series. <laughs> I forgive us for that. I, I had him confused, but um, yeah, that was Enos or Ennis. How do you say that? E N N I S. Ennis. We need, or I think it's Ennis. We need a big diagram, a big photos. With names, <laughs> we point to along with our scoreboard of our theories that are right and wrong. <laughs> it's confusing at times. Yeah. Um, and so those were both having to do with 1883. And, and we've dove deep into 1883 in future episodes. So if you're, you know, you know, what I think the, our podcast and it's not to toot our own horn, but obviously 1883 costs money. If you don't have the Paramount Network, you got to pay like $4.99 a month or something for Paramount Plus. I think our episodes on 1883 thus far have served as a pretty good primer to kind of either convince you to stream that or not to stream that if you're not interested in what we're saying. Like, it's a good way to yeah. sort of feel out what that show is all about without plunking down the money at this point. Yeah, and, absolutely. Know, not everybody not everybody wants to own every single streaming service. So <laughs> um, you can kind of decide for yourself there. Yeah. Saving you money. <laughs> But I mean, that's actually really why we're here, Billy. <laughs> yeah, you too right. can save money by listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new budget. Once again, thanks to everyone who's emailed staff at tasteofcountry.com or left a comment on the podcast or a YouTube video recap. You've all helped form this conversation, and we hope you'll stick with us through the end of 1883 in February. I'm Addison Haker, and you're listening to Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast. Archive episodes feature breakdowns of key plot points, plus interviews with cast members like Jefferson White, Cole Hauser, Kelly Riley, and Luke Grimes. We also just talked to Tim McGraw and Faith Hill about 1883, 
so you can get a feel for what that show is all about before taking the plunge. Dutton Rules is written by myself and Billy Dukes and produced by Billy Dukes. A reminder to tap follow and leave a rating and review to show appreciation for the research and insight. Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast, is another great Townsville Media podcast. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.